This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Got a great uh, message today from uh, my friend Maggie who has been a, in our Stacker Community OG for a long time. She actually was our MC at our Fort Lauderdale event. And she was talking about something that we consistently do, but a lot of people do, which is uh, we talk about the Ukraine versus Ukraine. And Taylor, who used to work with us before he had a strapping baby boy and his uh, world got very, very complicated in a hurry. When you have a baby, your world gets very complicated but his family's from Ukraine, and he he would rant. It's not the Ukraine; it is Ukraine. I don't really get it. I'm I'm from the Texas. You guys are from the Michigan. I'm from the Texarkana. <laughs> the Texarkana. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of glad to hear that though, Joe. Because no joking, I just was thinking about that the other day. Like, why do we call it the Ukraine? Was it a region at one time before it had borders? Was it like the Dardanelles? So I guess it's not a thing. We've just been doing it wrong all this time. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. I know there are people protecting us that are in harm's way. So on behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, the people making this podcast, let's send a big shout out to our troops this week. Stay safe, people. And let's all go stack some Benjamins together. Also, sir, I'm a tremendous fan of the host of Wheel of Fortune, Mr. Pat Sajak, I must say. Over the years, I've sent him over 40 letters of encouragement. Because I would imagine that he would be like a pretty decent guy, huh? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and do you feel like a financial grown-up? Today, to help you make sure you don't end up like Joe's mom with your kids still living in your basement trying to make a living as an influencer, we welcome author of Launching Financial Grown-Ups, Bobby Rebel. In headlines, advisors are recommending one strategy right now as a salve for the down market. We'll share that just before our TikTok Minute, where you'll find yourself falling over. And we'll throw out our Haven Lifeline to Maddie, where we'll talk about a concept called sinking funds. Then I'll launch my own grown-up trivia. And now, two guys who only launch up the stairs for lunch, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey there, stackers, and happy Monday to you. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and recording this from a hotel room in Americana. I'm, I'm collecting them all, I think, but holding down the fort next to Doug at the card table in the basement, Mr. OG here with me. 
And I have to hold down the card table when he plays dominoes. He is ruthless. It's horribly ruthless. Flips it over. It's a full contact action sport if you do it right. It's pretty crazy. And by the way, isn't it pronounced salve? Like, why do you put a why do you put an L in a word and not use it? That, that's just wasteful. It's salve. Yeah, where in the English language do we have pointless letters in words? The, the, Nowhere exactly. except that word. It never happens. That is, that, that is the one, self. And by the way, for people wondering why I'm talking about self, we had maybe a 20-minute discussion <laughs> about, about how, how that word is how pronounced. How say that word? Yes. Most money nerds go on and on about Roth IRAs. We'll do that later. For now, it's about self. <laughs> it took self. me like four takes just to say that correctly. <laughs> I, we still don't know if it's correct. We're still debating that. They'll be debating that forever. You know, they say, Doug, that some say tomato, some say tomato, but who the hell says tomato? Does it? Nobody says no. tomato. There's no, no. Well, my butler does. Oh, of course. Yes. Hey, uh, we got a great show today. The Bobby Rebel, who used to be my co-host on the uh, Money with Friends podcast, which is on hiatus, joins us. She's got a fantastic new book about launching financial grownups. And if you have high school age kids, college age kids, adult children, and even, you know what, if you have little kids, if you consider yourself to be a little kid, there's going to be something something for you in that interview. But don't worry if you're not kid-like, child-like, because we're going to talk Roth IRAs. We've got a hilarious TikTok minute and more. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Oh, gee, we got Bobby Rebel waiting for us. So I think... Uh, I think it's Rebel. We, we, <laughs> do you pronounce the second L? It's so confusing, this whole language thing. <laughs> Bobby Rebel coming to join us. There it is. Put some salve on those wounds. Let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Investment News, and they always say, OG, that when uh, life gives you lemons, let's make some lemonade. Investment News covering that today. This piece is written by Jeff Benjamin. Jeff writes, stock market pullback puts spotlight on, huh? wait for it, Roth conversions. 
With a confluence of events from spiking inflation and haphazard government spending policies to geopolitical unrest, driving equity markets lower, financial advisors might be able to provide some value add by turning their clients' attention toward the upside of Roth conversions during a down market cycle. I, I love this. <laughs> okay, I know everything sucks right now. I know that uh, we've got tensions worldwide. There are people having all kinds of horrible horrible life events. Here's how you can get rich. This is it. You ready to cha-ching on this action? We will do a Roth conversion. But uh, for people that don't know about this, and certainly we want to be mindful of what's going on around the world, but still, OG, you know, the stock market, when I think about the stock market, I think, of course, there is all these horrible things going on. But I also think there's a bunch of really dumb people that think this is a time to sell, right? that this is a time to sell your stuff. And if they listened to the Stacky Benjamin show the last decade, they would know this is a time that you hold. So while I do not want to take advantage of things going on around the world, I do want to take advantage of the fact that there are people who had money in the wrong place and now decide it's time to sell their stuff. So let's bring that. Well, notwithstanding, obviously, war and the atrocities of that, it could be going down also because of inflation or because of, you know, any other number of things. Two years ago this month, the stock market was down 35% because of the beginning part of COVID, Yeah, you know? So, so there's always going to be, you know, some reason why there's ups and downs in your portfolio. And I think it's important to recognize that uh, there's times to, to do something about that and times to not do something about that. And, and certainly my antenna goes up a little bit, as we cross different thresholds, as we kind of cross the minus 10% threshold, as we cross the minus 20 and, you know, if we ever get to the minus 30 number, you know, just kind of really eyes wide open at that point. And it's very, very, very hard to do that, you know, because it's not like that happens absent everything else in your life. <laughs> you know, it's like usually when, when does the stock market go down? When there's other crap going wrong, like you lose your job or, like a couple of years ago, there's this big health thing going on. Like our, our attention isn't focused on the money at that time. And it's one of those things that can get very, very quickly derailed because we go, okay, there's one thing I can control right now. And that is that doesn't have to lose money anymore. And so I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it over here and I know it doesn't lose money. And now I can, I, it's one less thing to worry about. And I think what we're trying to say is, you don't have to worry about it anyway. If you've got a time horizon of 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 years, this isn't the time to worry about the ups and downs of your portfolio. If you have extra energy, if you have extra processing power you know, going on up there and you want to do something about it or do something, I guess, maybe because of it, then there's some other things that you can do in the meantime, like Roth conversions to kind of, for lack of a better term, take advantage of the situation. Uh, a guy named David Deming says they regularly initiate more than a hundred Roth conversions annually, but that is of course increased as the market goes down. Let's, let's talk about a Roth conversion. OG. just go through the, the, not even the tactics. Let's talk about the mechanisms. How do you get that done? And they talk here in the piece about the fact that a lot of people avoid them because of the fact that there's a tax bill that comes right. with it. Uh, walk us through how this Roth conversion thing works. When you think about a Roth conversion, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take money that is growing tax deferred, but you haven't paid taxes on yet. And you want to turn it into money that you'll never pay taxes on again. 
And so there's there's not any place that you can never pay taxes on money ever. You have to choose your choose your own ending here. Do you want taxes at the beginning or do you want taxes at the end? And with a Roth, you're saying, I want to pay my taxes right now. But the money's in a place where you haven't paid taxes yet. <laughs> so you, you know, the IRS wants their cut. You've got to pay the piper. And what makes a Roth conversion attractive at this point is because if you believe, as I think a lot of people do, that the stock market will rebound at some point in time, whether it's next month or next year, eventually it will go back up again. You're effectively trading those dollars for that 10% decline. You're getting out of out of your IRA, which is going to cause you a tax bill. You're putting it in a Roth where it's going to grow tax-free forever. And you know, you're kind of arbitraging the difference there. So basically, you're moving money that's going to be taxed in the future to never taxed again, but you got to pay taxes along the way. And I think there's a couple of things to note here. Number one, you can't undo it. You used to be able to undo those things. You'd say, well, I changed my mind. And you can't do that anymore. So it really is kind of sort of very important to get the timing right if possible. Secondly, you don't have to do, it's not an all or nothing thing. If you've got $100,000 in an IRA from an old job, you don't have to say, well, geez, I don't want to convert this. It's going to cost me a whole bunch of money. Just convert 10000 Convert 5000 Do it over the next 10 years and do 10000 a year or whatever you want to do. You know, it's not an all or nothing proposition. And I think the other thing that really makes it more attractive versus, you know, kind of the two sides of it here is if you can pay the tax bill for money outside of your IRA, that makes it more attractive than if you have to dip into the IRA. So let's say that you have $40,000 and you're going to convert 40000 but the, the tax person tells you it's going to be a $10,000 bill. You need to have an additional 10000 outside of your account to be able to do that. If you have less than that, and you're going to take it from the IRA. That's the tax bill everybody talks about. The, the, the reason why yeah. a lot of people don't do it because they don't have the cash sitting around to do that, to do that number. Right, exactly. There's a piece of this that talks about what to invest in. And I think this is an important thing because people will do the Roth conversion and then they wonder what they should be invested in. It seems to me, OG, that what you were invested in before, that investment probably shouldn't change because the, the investment strategy shouldn't change. Is that, is that right? Yeah, and you don't want to be out of the market for very long either, especially with the volatility. Some, some places will allow you to convert shares, mm. you know, so you can just say, you know, I have a you know, 100 shares of ABC growth fund, just convert that. And then whenever they convert it, that's going to be the tax, you know, the amount that's counted on your tax bill, which is probably a better option. 100%, you need to have the money invested in the same way, unless you have the opportunity to kind of reshuffle your portfolio a little bit. If you're thinking about being a little bit more strategic, then the money that is in your Roth, might you might want to have that be your most aggressive stuff. Because you're never going to pay taxes on it again if you're thinking, you know, this part of your portfolio is going to be super volatile, right? That's the stuff that you want to have in your in your Roth, if possible, because traditionally higher volatile stuff is going to have higher returns. So you're getting that extra little bang for your buck, so to speak, by by having the more aggressive stuff in your, in your row. And it's funny you say that in this piece, which by the way, OG has not seen, uh, Scott Bishop, executive director of wealth solutions at Avidian wealth said that he generally advises converted funds in the short term allocated to stocks or ETF that may recover faster given their outlook. So he'll take an exchange traded fund and he'll make it the most aggressive thing because of the fact that the market's down. And while the market's down, he's going to put it in a spot. Of course, 
with an ETF, it'll be a diversified position. So you're not counting on one company doing this OG, but he's making it really aggressive market down. Let's, let's turn up the heat a little bit, but you got to have that longer time frame, right? I mean, don't get into something aggressive if you don't have, don't have the long time frame. Another piece on this is of course, a lot of people make mistakes when they do Roth IRAs. And I found this piece from Investopedia, which is 11 mistakes to avoid with your Roth IRA. We want to, of course, avoid these. Number one mistake, by the way, is not earning enough to contribute. I think if you're not earning enough money, the Roth IRA is your, is your last, your last concern. Let's uh, see if we can. <laughs> that, that was an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, if you earn less than $6,000 a year, you should probably work on the top line. You, you very well might have, might have an income issue uh, instead. And we've talked about ways to make more money uh, several ways, but number two, earning too much to contribute, of course, means OG that there's some people listening that might want to contribute to a Roth the straightforward way, but are going to have to do this Roth conversion instead. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get frustrated with that. It's like, well, first of all, you should be so lucky. Yeah. Right. It's like, how cool is this that you make so much money that you can't contribute to this one thing? But secondly, could you not contribute potentially to a 401k that has a Roth option? You know, I, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, I make too much money to, con- to contribute to my Roth. And yet they're only doing 10,000 into their, into their 401k. It's like, well, do the 6,000 into your Roth inside of your workplace plan. So sometimes there's options there. If you're contributing in all of those places, then yeah, you can do a non-deductible contribution and then look at doing a conversion potentially. Number three on this list, don't forget that your non-working spouse, if you make enough money, you can contribute for your spouse. Mm-hmm. But there's some issues now with uh, contributing too much because I do believe you're going to have to navigate this one for me. That idea that you can take it back has changed, right? So you got to be pretty clear about how much money you're going to make now? Well, your contributions, you can figure out, right? You know, so if you end up getting a bonus at the end of the year that kicks you over, there's no problem in going back and, and doing um, uh, the withdrawal. It's called a recharacterization. The problem is, is that you can't redo or undo, I should say, conversions. There, there is. used to be able to, used to have some flexibility there, but, but not anymore. Yeah, Re- recording early, not enough coffee, that's it. Uh, number five, Withdrawing earnings too early, of course, you have to understand that uh, some of the money can come out, some of it can't. Roth IRA owner must be 59 and a half years old and have owned the account for at least five years. So if it's if somebody contributes at 58 for the first time to a Roth IRA, their rule is not a 59 and a half rule. Yep. Which makes it even more important to just start that Roth as soon as you can, even $50. Yeah. You know, start it when you're 18 and then you've checked the box when you're 23 and you never have to think about it. Again. It's done. Uh, next is is breaking the rollover rules. We covered some of those. Uh, mm-hmm. And then number seven, this is a big one, rolling the money over yourself. If you're going to move the money over, how many times have you met somebody that got this wrong, that took money as cash, didn't check the right boxes, like at least work with somebody at the firm where you're rolling money over to, because I don't know, the lingo here gets a little confusing. We'll link to all of these mistakes in our show notes and also in the 201, our newsletter where we do deeper dives in all these topics. In fact, if you miss an episode from time to time, while we will have trouble forgiving that, because uh, you shouldn't miss any, you don't need to listen to an episode to get the 201. We dive deep into all the topics we talk about on any given day. And 
you can unsubscribe if you found out it's not for you. StackyBenjamins.com slash 201. But we're very, very proud of it and the work Brooke Miller does on that publication. Time for our TikTok Minute OG. This is the part of the show where we shine the spotlight on a TikTok creator who is either doing something marvelous or doing something eye-roll marvelous. Maybe not so, so much. Um, which one we got today? Definitely doing a good job. You know, you ever do those team building exercises at work where the boss decides to get everybody on the same page and we're going to help each other out? These are always Doug's favorite things when we do these in the basement. And we all get successories at the end like, <laughs> yes. with, the, with the cat. It's like, hang on. You can do this. I just like the part where OG trust falls back into me. Well, this is a trust fall at a workplace. This gentleman gets up to do his trust fall. And uh, well, just so you know, because we're, of course, audio only. He closes his eyes at the beginning to get ready for the trust fall. Close your eyes. All right. And then everybody fill in. And we're going to ask you to fall and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay. One, two, three. No, wait, no, no. And he falls forward and everybody's lined up behind him bad day for the trust fall that's something that we should have i shouldn't have played that with doug here we should have totally done the trust fall and lined up on the opposite side you think i would have fallen for that uh-huh. <laughs> seriously what's the no that's the wrong one there we go that laughter goes on forever do we see the guy actually hit the ground with his schnoz first or does he go out of view and there's probably a big huge airbag down oh there? yeah he goes out of view you see him go halfway while the guy's yelling at him yeah yeah so okay that's a oh, skeptic you're skeptic of the TikTok? highly skeptic. what you think tiktoks yeah. might be fake what are you talking about yeah. i can't believe somebody would put something on there just to get views uh by the way if you've got a great tiktok for us Send them to me, Joe at stackybenjamins.com, and uh, we'll share your TikTok. All right, coming up next, Bobby Rebel not only is uh, my former co-host at Money with Friends, she's somebody <clears throat> who writes about financial grown-ups, about being a financial grown-up yourself with your money. Her first book, Financial Grown-Up, was a bestseller where she dove into the habits of successful people, and her podcast, Financial Grown-Up, also talks about how to be successful with your money and just with your with your with your life. She's a mom of 3 and in her new book Launching Financial Grownups, she dives into how to be a successful person, helping your kids navigate the world of finance cuz as as you guys know, Doug and OG, you guys are parents too. The financial world not easy. And part of being a parent is teaching your kids how to navigate that world. And as I'm finding out as I do these million stories uh, videos in every city that I go to. I interview a person in each city for a series we're calling A Million More Stories on our Instagram channel and Stacky Benjamins. You know what I'm finding? Very few families talk about money. Their parents talk about money. So how do you do that? We're about to find out with Bobby. But first, uh, Doug, you've got uh, you got a little trivia for us and maybe a little something, something. What's going on? No, oh, I got something, something. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Bobby Rebel and I were just upstairs consoling Joe's mom. Joe's mom doesn't know what she did wrong. She, she introduced Joe to all the best people in Texarkana. He had every privilege available on the basic TV channels, and he was taught how to bounce a check in the fifth grade. 
How could he still be here in the basement? Well, turns out he's not alone, especially during the pandemic. So my question is, in 2020, did people aged 18 to 29 who live back home make up a minority or a majority of the population? I'll be right back after I check if Joe's mom is out of the bathroom. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, and it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together, and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to he is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org dot org for full terms conditions and other offers navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender hey there stackers i'm dad's car borrower and bathroom hog joe's mom's neighbor doug in january of 2020 aka the end of the before times the number of young people who lived at home was at 46 percent according to pew research But during the peak in July of that year, more young people lived at home than did during the Great Depression. 
So did the people who moved home make up a minority or a majority? Well, at 52%, for the first time in a century, a majority of young people, along with one very awkward dude in his 50s, were living at home. And now, to help young people launch back into the world as financial grown-ups, Bobby Rebell. It's old friend day here in the basement because Bobby Rebell is back. Where have you been? I've missed you. I've been writing a book just like you were writing a book, right? Isn't that weird that we were writing books at the same time? We were. Well, at one point they were going to come out. Maybe it was the same day, but it was definitely they were both supposed to come out last October. We both failed at that. I failed more than you, but they're both now. Well, yours is out. Mine was mine, mine was me imminent, imminently. Mine was my publisher. My public. We had the book way done, but my publisher. Yeah, mine said, was my publisher too. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start this story where you start. You begin by talking about one of the happiest days of your life, and it wasn't the day you got married. Tell me about this day. Oh, it was. Epic, Joe, because my uh, 24, she was 24 at the time. She's now 25. Uh, my stepdaughter, Ashley, who plays a big role in the book, she was signing paperwork and buying her very first home, something that she had worked at since she was 13 years old. And to accomplish that at 24, as a parent who had raised her and gone through many ups and downs with her, I was just so proud of her. And I was also really happy for our family because especially when you have multiple kids as the oldest kid, she was really setting an example for the rest of the kids that it's not unachievable to be a homeowner at a young age. It's just, a, a you really just have to focus and make a decision and make choices that you stick to. And it's been really interesting the almost year since that day happened. It was May of 2021. Seeing the way that she interacts with her friends and her peer group who are all very jealous of her, but also, you know, I don't know that they really understand the choices and sacrifices that she made over many years to achieve that goal for her. And I just think as a parent, you really get so much satisfaction when your kids achieve something with your encouragement and support, but something that's important to them and that they really did on their own. What were some of those sacrifices she made? She put her money in savings, not investing in the last few years. Mm. And that was really tricky. One of the things that I talk about in the book is pushing them. My uh, Ashley has a brother, Bradley, and I pushed them both to open up Roth IRAs because they both had income. And so one of those sacrifices also is, by the way, paying attention for her to have income producing jobs throughout her teenage and, and early 20s. But she had to make a tough choice not to invest a lot of that money and to watch her brother, who has invested in a lot of technology stocks and has done very well with his income that he's made and gifts from relatives over the years and so on. And she just kind of had her money in that savings account because she knew she would need it in a short amount of time. And so having those discussions when people are in your ear saying, oh, but you should you know, buy Tesla, do this and that. Yeah. And she really stuck to her guns. And she also, you know, had to make tough choices about how she would vacation with her friends and doing a lot of research on how they're going to fly and where they're going to stay and really taking the lead and showing her friends ways to spend less money, but still get that trip. And just living, you know, life in New York city as a young woman can be expensive. And she made choices, including by the way, this goes into sacrifice for all of us. And one of the reasons why it was such a happy day for me living at home, not with a gaggle of roommates where your rent might've been affordable, but not zero. And so she kind of had to live with us. And as much as we, of course, every day is, you know, roses and sunshine living with her. It may have not been 
That was great for her to live with her parents, as you might expect. So, you know, it's hard when your your friends are all, you know, out there shopping, buying stuff. I mean, she's really watching every penny and didn't want to be spending on things that we're going to take away from reaching that goal as soon as possible. She also, by the way, learned a lot about budgeting. And it was, it was interesting seeing her thought process evolve because she had these spreadsheets. First of all, she worked backwards from the amount she needed for the down payment. She also had to go learn about our New York City real estate works, which can be complicated and how she would have ongoing costs like researching homeowners insurance, what that would cost, researching to get the apartment set up because you do have to buy certain things just to set up a first apartment. And she really took it upon herself to do that. And also, this is so important, setting yourself up for success once you own that home, because not only do you have the home costs, but you have to figure out what is my discretionary income realistically going to be. So she really was watching when she was looking at apartments, not just the price of the apartment, but understanding that there's maintenance fees in New York, which a lot of people all around the country Big costs still to come. Yeah. Yeah. So she had to map that out and figure out her budget. And for example, she's now about to get a puppy in a few weeks, which we're all, we're, we're a big dog family. And she had to put that off. And now because she's more settled into the apartment and she's gotten several raises at work, she can afford a dog. And so that was something she had to put off. The timing on this book, I think is really important, Bobby, because you write in the introduction that 79% of adults are providing support for adult children. And I want to ask you about some of the decisions that you made, some of the things that you already kind of alluded to either her living at home. I want to Mm -hmm. dive into that. I want to dive into that story about them opening their first Roth IRA because I love, I love, love that story. But, but as you know, this is a very difficult time. I feel like to be young college costs more than ever before. Like the amount of money I paid for school versus somebody uh, going through college today. It's a completely different experience. Real estate prices through the roof, even if you, you're not in New York City, wherever you are in the United States or Canada, frankly, real estate prices much higher than they were when I was starting out or my parents were starting out when it was a hell of a lot cheaper then than it was for you and I, um, all of these things are so different. It's so, it's so tough. And yet you write that Kelly Ripa joked about her son, Michael being on his own for the first time and about him having to kind of do his things with your own kids. You know, let's, I guess let's start off with that Roth IRA story. You lead your kids to water. You show them the yes. Roth IRA. You tell them how it works. They agree to open uh-huh. it. And yet yes. the day before that, nothing is done. <laughs> like there's Nothing is happening. It, it's so frustrating. And that's, that's, these are adults. This, you have to get them to want to launch, first of all, because our kids have great relationships for the most part. This generation has better relationships with their parents. They're not they're, The stigma of living at home when you and I were younger was much bigger than now. In fact, I would say there's very little stigma in most circumstances of someone in their early twenties living at home. I moved home for a couple of months. It was like embarrassing. I was like, well, I'll be out soon. Don't worry. You know, and now not at all in most cases, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of societal shifts. I mean, part of it is as simple as the fact that our minds has shifted when we had Obamacare because we can keep our kids on our insurance. So you, you automatically have a financial tie to your children. That makes sense until they're 26, right? So they're already on the dole till 26 in many cases. And college, as you mentioned, is so onerous that on one hand, the student loan crisis, which is ridiculous and needs to be solved. But we also have a parent loan crisis because parents take out money for their children 
often impacting their ability to reach their financial goals. And by the way, often at higher interest rates with fewer options to get out of that loan than the kids. And so again, another financial tie to your children. And there's just not as much incentive to separate financially for our children gig economy, which in many ways is so wonderful because it allows young adults to experiment with different things. There's different ways to make money, but because our healthcare system and so many important financial things like 401ks are tied to corporate jobs, if your child is working in the gig economy, yes, sure, they could set up a 401k, but they're not going to have the matching. They're not going to have a lot of the corporate benefits that we had. And even we were down from the benefit plans from generations past. So we have a further deterioration of financial supports for our children. And we, as parents step in back to the IRA. So the, the Roth IRA, so I, I did get them both to sign up. One funded it because he had a lot more runway before he would need the money. He's now feeling a little pain right now, but it's all just sitting there still. And Ashley, you know, she did open it, but in the end she explained was not going to fund it because she did not want to lock up the money in any way. And she was going to use it to buy this apartment. And that goes to the point that every kid has different needs. And as long as you're, you're communicating to them and discussing with them what they're going to do, you have to kind of respect their choices and let them do what they want to do. But yeah, it's hard. And the follow-through is one of the important lessons of the book that if they say they're doing something, sadly, don't assume When Ashley got to her 401k at her fantastic job that we're so proud of her, she works as a cybersecurity consultant. That's my term, not hers. She has a much fancier title that I can't really (laughs) understand. But she has a really fancy job, which by the way, she was originally going to be a teacher and she decided she wanted to own that apartment in New York. And she really figured out lifestyle-wise where she had to be. And she changed her career path um, in college to be able to do the cybersecurity stuff. You know, she said, yeah, I got it. I did the 401k, I'm all set. And I said, let me see it. And it was not actually invested in funds. She had funded the 401k, but not picked funds. And I go into further depth on in the book on what finally happened, but you do have to kind of nudge your way in there and make sure that they're doing what they say they are because they may believe they did it, but they may be missing checking that last box and the consequences had she not invested that money. I mean, it could have gone 30 years. And, I can't tell you the number of, yeah, I can't I tell mean, you the number crazy. of times that you and I have heard that story about somebody goes in three years later, four years later, and they realize, yeah. oh my goodness, I've been saving. I've been a great saver, but I haven't invested this money. I didn't realize there was a part two. And what I feel like is an issue that you point to, you talk about helicopter parenting, where we hover over our kids because we don't want them to make mistakes. You point out that when I was a kid on page six of your wonderful book, by the way, that when I was a kid, you know, my parents wouldn't let me make mistakes. I wasn't trusted with much money ever until I left home. And then I figured out credit cards immediately, which is the wrong thing to figure (laughs) out and got myself into a lot of trouble. But you say a lot of this is our ego. We don't like Bobby, as you know, to see our kids fail. We want to see them safe and secure. And yet that doesn't really teach them anything. So where's this middle ground between our kids failing and us raising these responsible adults? It's very nuanced. And it's interesting because I use the term concierge parenting a lot. The term concierge parenting is often applied to what happens as we helicopter parents um, become parents of young adults, because what happens is we use money to solve a lot of the challenges that our children are having, because it's sometimes just easier to write the check. I mean, one of the hardest things was not paying 
Ashley's closing costs for her apartment. I, you know, we were like, what if she doesn't have enough? What if this happens and she's just like a small amount short? Are we going to write the check? And we didn't know. She ended up not needing it, but it's really tricky because you maybe you're at the closing table with all the lawyers and something comes up. What do you do? It's always nuanced and it, it is tricky. Um, what I like to say is try to focus on your kids' wants, not needs. In other words, go out for a spa day, pay for dinner when you're out, but don't pay their rent. You know, if your kid needs a little boost with the down payment for their first home and you can help them, that's fine. But make sure that it's not stretching them to a home that they won't be able to afford down the road. And then you're helping them with mortgage payments. In other words, make sure the mortgage payments are a size that, that's going to be totally doable. So you're not in the continuous financial support cycle. But I also think it's really important to understand, as you talked about, things are really hard for our kids and there is nothing wrong with giving them your support. And some of that can be financial if it doesn't disrupt your own financial goals and you can help them across the finish line with something that they've thought out that's important to them and it's going to help them be more financially secure in the future. You talk about being a stakeholder in your kid's success. And I love that term stakeholder, like you're on the... I don't know, you own stock in your kid's future or you are a um, on their board of directors where it's it's much less about being their friend. It's much more about, hey, my job is to see this company succeed. If I own stock in Apple, I own stock in my kid. I want them to succeed. And if they're messing up, I'm going to tell them. Like I feel like that word stakeholders really gives you a whole better frame the way a lot of parents frame their relationship. Yeah, you know, that came to be from the fact that my my youngest, who's now 14, he was um, diagnosed with ADHD um, early in life. And, you know, he had a lot of people around him, but people come and go just like your kids go to school and it comes and goes and they might take a personal finance course. The professor will teach them. And that's all great. If, if our education system gets better at teaching kids about personal finance, this is all good. It's not an instead. But parents need to realize that at the end of the day, they are the stakeholders. They are the ones that have a continuous interest in their children's success. And the education system can help, but we cannot be dependent on them because they are, at the end of the day, temporary. They don't have a stake in your child succeeding the way that you do. And that also, you know, it's part just, you know, we love our children, but there's still some really practical things. If your kid is not succeeding, I mean, there's what's that expression? You're only as happy as your unhappiest kid. So, you know, you want your kids to be happy, but also financially, you don't want to be supporting them for their whole life based on a need because that's going to impact your financial goals. And also another thing that I talk about is that we can't always talk about a scarcity mindset and people that are in financial distress. You may be very successful as parents financially and be very comfortable and be leaving your child a big inheritance. But I share some very upsetting stories about kids blowing inheritances, very yeah. large inheritances. There's no amount of money that a kid cannot blow and very quickly. So if you are wealthy and you are happily supporting your child and letting them follow their passion and dabble in whatever interests them, that's lovely. Can they protect your money when you're not there to protect it? That's and a big if question. they're not, it's very important. And, and one person I speak to as well talks about the fact of having the importance of having a third party involved, because the truth is there are cases where your kids are not going to get there in the time frame you need, and you might be worried. And so you want to put up guardrails for your children to protect them sadly from themselves. Right. When so I if you have assets and, and you, you'd want to, for whatever reason, it's just your parenting philosophy, you're going to just support them forever. Be careful make sure you put guardrails in place to protect them. 
Yeah. One of those things that we would do when I was a financial planner is children would not get all of mom or dad's assets right away. If they had a substantial amount of money, maybe a third at 25, a third at 30 and a third at 35 so that they could totally mess up the 25 stuff and mess up even more of the 30 year old stuff and still have something left so that hopefully they learn from that. And obviously to your point, you can't protect them forever, but that gives them some stuff. And by the way, there was also always a workaround. You talk about a third party, kids could still use it early if it was for specific things, but they had to go through an intermediary until that time to make sure that they got it. So I love that, that issue. I want to talk about the other side of this though, which is, you know, this isn't just about coddling kids and about kids that needing to be coddled and the idea of we're attached to our kids till 26. We want to be friends with our kids. There's also going back to that original idea that it's a hell of a lot more expensive out there now than it used to be. And you talk about you going back home. Mm -hmm. You talk about your daughter saving money by living at home. And yet you also write in the book, Bobby, that having kids be independent and living away from home is a really good thing. So how do you, how do you couple those two together? Your daughter living at home with, you kind of like the idea of them not living at home. It's a delicate balance. You know, I like to think of it as seasons of your life when for certain periods of time, one of the toughest challenges I had was I got divorced at age 30 and I didn't have financial distress in any way. I was fine financially, but I did move home because sometimes there are times when family is just where you want to be. And so it's important to separate financially moving home for financial reasons in distress without an exit strategy from being a healthy family and being there for each other. What you want to avoid is the latter. You want to avoid having your kids move home because they're in financial distress. And if they do, you need to be very clear that there needs to be an exit strategy and map that out with them. And it may not be one that they're that thrilled with because one of the challenges is that by definition, we are in almost, in many cases, the parents are more financially secure than their late teen, early twenties kids, right? But we have lifestyle expectations that we sometimes impose on our children. So they're used to living, let's say in a beautiful suburban house, like you're in, and they want to live in a dump with three roommates because that's all that they can afford. We need to tell them, no, this is the life stage you're in. And this is how you're going to, you're going to be. And sorry, you can no longer afford organic everything that's grass fed butter. And, you know, <laughs> we're going through this with my, with my son, who's going to graduate from college. We basically said, you know, you're going to be on your budget and you're going to have to make choices, but you have to have those tough conversations with kids and, and help them understand that life is expensive and they have to make the decisions to get them to the level they want to be at or course correct and live within their means. You know, on the other side of this equation, for parents listening that don't have the means to do this, you make a good point. It's the educating that's the important piece. I mean, helping your kids by educating them and showing them the way that you do things, even if your money is a mess. And it's funny, you, it's not about whether your money's a mess or not. Let your kids get these uh, lessons along with you. I love that because I have made so many money mistakes and I joke about them now, but come on. I mean, we're all, we all have our drama and, you know, we can air our dirty laundry till the, what's the expression till the cows come home. It's really good to be a little bit transparent with your kids when they are at the right age to understand it. And we can compare generations and hem and hop, but 
it's not easy for any generation. I learned in the course of writing this book that even my parents had struggles that I did not realize. And out of respect to them, I'm not going to tell you all of them, but I, I always just thought like, oh, they magically have money to cover everything. Little did I know that it wasn't a given that I, I ended up going to private school, but it was not so easy. And my father, he drove a beat up old car to the train because that's what they could afford. And they chose where they lived because that's what they could afford. They did not live originally where they wanted to live and they eventually upgraded, but they didn't have it so easy. And I think COVID has been a real eye opener for a lot of young adults because you move home with your kids and a lot of things come out when you're living at home in your early twenties, let's say, than they might've before, if you went to college, before you went to college at age 18, because you're going to just see a lot more, especially when you're just home as we were during COVID, they see more. I saw that with our kids. I mean, we had Ashley and Bradley both home. They were, gosh, you know, Bradley was a sophomore in college when they shut the dorms down and he came home. And then Ashley had just really started her young adult life and was home. And they saw a lot of stuff because they were just there all the time. And I think they learned that we definitely make choices. I mean, if you want to do, I joked, we were starting, we're doing a big bathroom gut renovation. We didn't go away for vacation because we spent the money was on the bathroom. Now these are choices between good choice and good choice. You know, we're choosing, but we had to choose. And I think it's important that whatever level you're at, we're very financially secure at this point, but we're still making choices between things. You know, I would have loved to go on an elaborate family trip to the Galapagos islands, but we are doing a bathroom instead. That's a choice. Right. Yeah. And they also talk to you differently as they get older. I mean, you know, I joke about the primal scream that came from Ashley when she got her paycheck for the first time. And she knew she was ready. She had done the math and she kind of knew what the take home pay would be, but she still, it was still a shock. Then they'll start talking to you at a different level. And that's why it's so different from a course you would take in school learning from your parents, because when you learn from your parents, you are learning actual things that are happening in real time. Actually, do I want to spend the money for a taxi to meet my friends when I can take the subway? Do I want to suggest we meet for drinks instead of dinner and save money? Because people are very easily persuaded when you choose, I always joke, choose the restaurant because then you control the budget, things like that. And seeing those things come out through our children is kind of awesome. It's pretty exciting. It's that changing relationship. Yeah. It is cool. And and I joke, I now get these texts from Ashley from her. She sends me like a, a text screen grab of conversations she's having with her friends that first of all, ask her for advice because she's now the guru. She wrote the epilogue to the book, everyone. So that's like the highlight of the book. And also just about their frustration the choices they made the last two years while she was home and COVID in a way made it easier because there was less to go to, but she was home banking every penny, which by the way, I will, another pro tip though, monitor the kids' bank accounts when they're at home. That's part of the deal. I see everything that goes into her, her checking account where she, she was just saving in a savings account, I should say, but I was watching the number go up. And when she bought something big, I would discuss it with her. That's part of the deal. If they live at home and free as adults, you're allowed to talk about their money. It's not private. It's a family thing. Well, yeah, and, I feel like there's, I, some, cheering her on. there's still some teachable moments there. I mean, there's definitely yeah. some teachable moments. There's a couple more things I want to draw attention to. But for a lot of parents, Bobby, parents of a, with kids that are old enough to be ready to launch, the kids are living in a plastic world. Everything's plastic. You know, you mentioned that, that your son can go on the Xbox and that doesn't take pennies. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is completely plastic. And money is this whole digital thing. You 
recommended for your kids an app? And I know this particular app that you use with your kids has a, had a Super Bowl commercial this year. So apparently it's doing very well. The green, I believe it's the green light app. Yeah, but, we use green light. But there's yeah. other ones. There's FamZoo. There's, there's these apps for kids that teach kids about money. I'm guessing you like these apps a lot yeah. then. You have to meet kids where they are and that's where they are. The truth is that the apps, not only they've, they're so good because they've gotten to a point where they're not just doing a transaction. They're also teaching your kids. So there's a lot of educational resources that are associated with Greenlight and with many of these other apps, which there's a lot of great ones out there. And a lot of traditional banks like Chase now is getting into that market. The other thing that I like about the app that I use, but also other apps and, and electronic transactions is that you see everything they do. So my son went to Krispy Kreme. I know it and he can come home and we're going to discuss it. I'm glad you can't look at mine. And we did. <laughs> no, Joe, but, but Dunkin seriously, Donuts. No. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like it's, it's just really good as a communication tool. I think it's really important to also create a framework where you are never spying on them to say, this is our way to discuss how you're spending your money. And that that is something we started on it. He was 12 years old when he started with it. He's used to it and he knows C and it's not in any way. It's, it's just the way it is that, if he wants to have allowance spending money, we discuss where he's spending his money. And that has to be normalized that we can see what's going on. And I think also as adults, I love the fact that I can see every transaction that I have because you can press with one little button. Most company, wherever you bank, will just map out where your money's going. So if that works for you, I know some people still like envelopes and writing things down. And if that works, that's fine. But I really like the convenience of being able to see very quickly where our money's going. And we have a joint family credit card for the older kids. And um, although Ashley doesn't use it anymore, she's off the dole, but, um, but Bradley uses it and we can see where the spending is going. And I think that's a really useful tool as well. Also, by the way, I should say, by having your young kids on your credit card, you help them establish their own credit score, which was something that we had to start doing in advance, knowing that she wanted to buy that apartment. But this is also a key thing too. I mean, I want everybody to hear this clearly. You're coupling it with parenting, right? Don't just put your yes. kid on your credit card. It's got to be these teachable moments meets these situations. Because if you don't do that, your kid's going to run into trouble because you decided not to parent and instead gave them credit. And guess what? Then you're in trouble too, if you don't combine the two together. And you have to have a lot of trust in them. So yes. So we put our kids on the family credit card, which also had a lot of benefits that they specifically used. It's very important, first of all, to have a limit to what they can spend. So you can have a limit of $200 a month. And just say that's your that would be a big allowance. I mean, but it could be you know, fifty. You, you it could $200 be dollars a month. Yeah, it could be fifty. Be it could be less. It could be whatever, whatever number yeah. you want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It could be much lower. And also, it gave them a resource should they ever get in trouble because you do want to give kids the freedom to be traveling on their own when they reach an appropriate age, and and they do have to have a credit card that's working in the world that we live in. The book is called Land. Launching Financial Grownups. It's available everywhere this week, Bobby, I'm assuming, right? Everywhere. Thank you, Joe. Well, th thanks for hanging out with us and talking about launching kids because this is, it's such a difficult uh, time and talking to them like they're adults. And I think, you know, there's so many lessons, but remembering that your kids do better when you do well, I think mm -hmm. is a huge lesson that so many people need to learn among many, many others. But thanks for hanging yeah. out again in the basements like old times. I know, I know. It's so great to be here. And thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is John in Seattle. And when I'm not telling terrible dad jokes to anyone who will listen, I'm Stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Bobby. Love getting to hang out with her again, OG4. 
just a few minutes, but uh, this is an important issue. Just how you talk to your kids about money and being okay with them making some mistakes early. My big issue and and my parents were wonderful, and I got a lot of I got a lot of great things. I was very very lucky to grow up the way that I did. But I'll say this: we didn't talk at all about money, and it was mostly because my parents didn't want me to make mistakes with money. And whenever I was going to make a ten dollar mistake, they made sure I didn't by stopping me before I made it. Totally agree with Bobby that maybe maybe giving them a little bit of that trust fall action with their money might do them a little bit of good. I think that's a whole, you know, and that the whole gist of being a parent is you're trying to let them fail at the small stuff so they don't fail at the big stuff. But it's hard because as you know, from working with people, we all feel like we're not perfect with our money. So why would I, you know, coach a kid who we want to be better with money maybe than we are. I think we still have to coach. I think we still have to be okay with maybe sharing some of our mistakes so that kids don't make the same mistakes we did. Isn't that what Stacky Benjamins is? Like, here's all the (laughs) stuff we did wrong a lot of times. Try not to do this. Are you calling our listeners children, OG? (laughs) They are our kids. They're our virtual (laughs) kids. Yes. In the metaverse. Yes. In Web 3.0. We love you all the same. It's not true. You don't love all your kids the same. <laughs> no, you, you, no, no, no. Are we no. getting real you now? You love all your kids the same. You don't like them all the same. There's a huge <laughs> difference. There's a huge difference. Yeah. And it's okay. You tolerate them all differently. Yes. Tolerate them differently, but love them equally. Absolutely. Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> let's throw out David Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Most important question is which kid... But our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Oh, I'll tell you right now what's on my mind and what I'm valuing is finally getting a TikTok filter that makes me look as handsome as Pat Sajak. When are they going to come out with that one? It's amazing the man crush you have on the Pat. God, he's just, he's witty, he's charming, and that hair. Oh my God, the hair. You could just run your fingers through that all day long. <laughs> My favorite thing about Pat Sajak is the number of times in the past 12 months he's come unglued at, at, at people on the show. Like, really? You're guessing an E? Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> There's no E in this damn word. He's reached that age where he just DGAF, right? Isn't that the just does not give up? Yeah. Does not give I a care. It. No cares. A care. I love it. No yeah. cares given. And his Twitter account is hilarious, too. So is the it man really? Is, Oh my God. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's worth making a filter for. I would download that fast. I have, I have, I have not seen that one, but I, I just, at first I'm like, wow, Sajak's losing it. Now I think it's a thing. Now I think everybody's like, Hey, we got to get listenership up. Let's have, let's have Pat. Let's just, let's just bring somebody on the show that cannot spell. Remember when all the politicians decided that it would be cool to swear. Yeah. And they all started saying like, and Damn those taxes! Like That's whoa, right. whoa, hey, whoa! And then and then Fix somebody the had to, damn roads. They had to, yeah, they had to kick it up a notch. And then there's somebody who finally we got somebody to say the f word, and it's like whoa, dude, they're so awesome, they're so cool, they're like they're me. so cool because they swear. <laughs> Pat Sajak and I have so much in common. <laughs> the Haven Lifeline people are like, please stop, please. Can you go back to that read? Hey, you know that thing that you're supposed to be doing for us. It's actually your loved ones in your time. But if you can sit around with mom watching, watching uh, Pat Sajak lose it on somebody, like what better use of time is that? That's why 
you can spend less time working on your life insurance. They've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. You'll get a free quote. You can pause this right now, get it done, and you'll be back in a jiffy there that they did not write that. That's all Joe. A jiffy. <laughs> That's the magic of having the salsi high attached. Their application is simple and online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. And of course, all policies issued by Mass Mutual, their parent company that's more than 160 years old. That's pretty old. A little, little older than Doug. <sighs> Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our friend, Maddie. Say hi, Maddie. Hey, Joe and OG. Maddie from Tennessee here. I had a question about sinking funds. I'm looking to start about four different cash sinking funds. The first one being $735, the second being $1,800, the third being $7,000, and the fourth one being cash to go towards a house maybe in the next five to seven years. I just wonder what you guys thought about what was the best way to go about that. Should I do lowest to highest money-wise, or should I take my paycheck and whatever's left after all my bills split it up evenly percentage-wise between all of the four different sinking funds. Just wanted to know what you guys thought, even though I don't think I'm going to learn anything. Thank you. Well, 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 thank you, Maddie, for that question. Uh, we, we should probably tell people what a sinking fund actually is all about, OG, because there's a bunch of people wondering, why do you have these four different buckets of, of money? What's, what's Maddie maybe trying to accomplish here? I guess he's thinking, I've got these expenses in the relatively near term, almost like the YNAB stuff, maybe. Like, I'm going to put money away for my house insurance. I know it's due in December. I know it's 4000 bucks, so I'm going to put 350 a month into this account, knowing that I'm going to wipe it out. One of my favorite uses for this, to give people an idea, is where you you make monthly payments on a car before you buy it have a monthly payment to yourself Got it. Yeah. into a, into a fund so that when you're ready to buy the car five years from now, you've been making payments, but they're not going out. They're staying in your pocket. Uh, great, great use for me of a sinking fund, but let's dive in. He's got these four things. Uh, how does he prioritize them? Well, that's going to be entirely up to him, right? I mean, unless there's unlimited money or at least enough money to make all of these things happen in the time frame that you want, if they can all happen in the time frame that you want, then it doesn't matter then just put them in however you put it in. But if there's going to be an issue with trying to figure out which one is more important or there's too many goals and not enough money, then yeah, Maddie has to sit down and figure out which one's most important to him. I do agree with the fact though, that if the money's going to be used over the next, you know, three, four ish years, it has to be pretty comfortably in cash, despite the fact that it's going to get abused with inflation like we've seen lately. But uh, you can't take any volatility risk in the market with that. So far be it for me to decide whether or not the $1,500 goal is more important than the $7,000 goal. I mean, that's that's up to him. I think probably the easiest is just to split up the paycheck and just say, you know, I'm going to have these four direct deposits. You know, one's going to go into my current account and then these other three or, you know, whatever the number was. Yeah, I do like the idea of taking it from the closest goal to the furthest in, in some ways because of the fact that, you know, what if he's got one of these that's not ready for him at the, at the specific time. So doing them chronologically, like, I don't like that when you're doing it for your long-term goals. Cause I think that you give up on compounding interest, but if these are sinking funds where you really not earn a lot in a bank account, why not plug the first hole first? Okay. Maybe. 
Uh, Maddie, thanks a ton for the call. And you know what? For being brave and asking a question, Maddie's getting a code from mom's friend Gertrude. She's going to send out a code to Maddie for some of our amazing Stacky Benjamin swag. And it's been cool seeing stackers around the country wearing the swag. In fact, Jake in uh, Seattle talking to me about how comfortable the shirt is. Uh, he had the classic Ben Franklin aviator tee, which uh, oh, Jake, that's a cool one. Jake looked like a million bucks in that thing. So good stuff. Stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. If uh, you've got a question for us and uh, we'll reward you with some swag too. All right. That's going to do it for today. Hey, thanks to everybody who's been uh, joining us around the country this week. As you're listening to this, we're going to be tonight, Monday night in Charlotte. Uh, so Charlotte, North Carolina, can't wait to party with you. And then uh, we will be also this week in Raleigh, Durham. That uh, looks to be a hootenanny, as mom says. Oh, my and God. Then, uh, and four people just decided not to come. But why? Because a hootenanny? Because you said hootenanny. Hootenanny is a fantastic word. That's a great <laughs> word. Great old man word. And then up to uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach. See, maybe our, some of our friends in the military there, OG, with the big base there. Uh, excited to see everybody there. I get to see my cousin Peggy who is uh, somebody that I haven't seen enough of. So that'll be fun. Stackybenjamins.com slash stacked gives you all of the tour. And we just announced where we're going to be in New York City. We announced where we're going to be in Indianapolis, in Detroit recently, in Kalamazoo, where I grew up. We just secured uh, Hopcat in Kalamazoo. Should be a fun place for... Ooh, a, maybe I will come to Kalamazoo. Hopcat's awesome. Yeah, should be a fun place there. And we've got a super special event in Chicago where we're at a, at a private club. We're getting stackers into a private club. Yeah, hey, all the rest of you stackers listening out there, step up your game. <laughs> Match the guy in Chicago. David Hirsch. David Hirsch said, hey, uh, would you like to come to the Cliff Dwellers? Um, hmm. Uh, high above the Chicago river, this beautiful place, uh, pass. Uh, Not that excited about that. Yeah. I'm geeked about that. Going to be great. Anyway, stacking Benjamin in Omaha, by the way, we have a spot in Omaha stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked. And please sign up so we can tell the venue that, that you're coming if possible. If not just show up. Uh, we actually had that in Seattle, had more people. OG show up than, uh, signed up which was, isn't that the goal? Per, yeah. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Usually the numbers are about the same. It happened in one city. Woo. Yes. It happened in Dallas too. As you guys know, you were with us in Dallas. That's true. All right. But the big thing is if you're not looking for just new friends to hang out with, you really need to get your financial house in order. You know what? Upgrading your team is probably a better solution. OG and his team are taking clients. So if you want to think bigger, starting right now, stackingbenjamins.com slash OG leads you to OG and his team's calendar where they can help you dream bigger. All right, here we go. Doug, what should we have learned today, man? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Bobby Rebel. Even though they're young adults, they still need your coaching and love. Have a money discussion with your older child today. Second, if you have a time horizon of 10 or 20 years, this is not the time to worry about your portfolio. It's time to think about maybe a Roth IRA conversion. But the big lesson? There was a lot Joe's mom could have done to prevent the situation we have today. She'll just have to wait for Bobby's next book, which will probably be called something like uh, Retiring Financial Senior Citizens. 
Thanks to Bobby Rebel for being with us today. Her book, Launching Financial Grownups, is available wherever big boys and girls get their chapter books. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show, you know, because of my little tour, we're in different places and we're watching Doug come to the microphone and, uh, he just spilled his coffee all over the place. OG. And hilarity ensues. Yeah. It wasn't just, I spilled my coffee. I mean, this was a, a major catastrophe of epic Hollywood proportions because the entire mug fell off the card table, shattered into 48 pieces. I lost an amazing cup of coffee. Which, at my age, when you enjoy the simple things in life, a good freaking cup of coffee is the height of your day. And I lost my favorite trout mug, which is almost irreplaceable. But while you guys were talking, I did find one and bought it already. But, I mean, it was a big, momentous deal. He's going to be without the mug for three days until the Amazon truck shows up. No, he probably did it uh, same day delivery. No. Got those new drones they're working on. Well, I should have. If, if that was available, let's listen in to OG and I listening to you oh, great. Uh, trying to clean up the coffee mess. <laughs>
Which mug was it? Because you said it was your favorite. It's my favorite mug. I'm pissed about it. It was huge, and it was a uh, basically a brook trout. It had the all the markings and coloration of a brook trout. Hey, irreplaceable. Then it actually is. I think I I searched for a long time to find that, and it was hard. I lost a great cup of coffee and a good mug. This is going to be hard for me to get over. I'm going to go shopping right now to see if I, I seriously, I got like one of the last two of those things. Oh, should I be looking at the script now? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had pretty pressing things to attend to, but I found the mug. So, okay, good. Yeah, that is, I'm just, I'm that is, like that is the best thing. news. I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and sav. Oh, so I pronounce this word sav. S A L V E. Yes. I put the L. Joe, you say it like I do, and Joe, you say salve. Yeah. I say I say just a very light L. Yeah. Salve. I think the correct pronunciation is with without the V. Without the V? Or with just the call L, it Sal. L, I mean. Just call it Sal. Without the L. Without the S. Just do it without the S. Elf. We should do that. I think it's pronounced Elf. All right, boys. Doug, you ready? Well, do we need to clap? Yes. The clapper. Ready? Three and a three and a two and a one and a. Your polka beat threw me off. <laughs> well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. And take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.